For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. everybody jacob daniel here this is the daniel three podcast uh thanks for tuning in tonight uh so do a little bit of housekeeping first before we uh get started um plugs uh if you uh, are new to the show um if you're stumbling in and uh you want to follow everything i'm doing uh it's daniel three biblical anarchy on youtube uh apple podcasts google podcasts uh you know pretty much anywhere that they they put this kind of stuff up on you can find me at um and twitter my handle is at biblical anarchy also on facebook if you search for me there um on mewe too i'm not as active on the mewe as i would like to be hold on i'm gonna my ocd nature will not stand to see dust on top of my webcam um <laughs> so uh yeah not as active on mewe as i'd like to be i don't know why like i i have people on there that want me to be and it's just I don't have the attention span for it, but, but, but I will try see if I can be more active on there. Um, uh, Patreon, if you want to financially support the show, um, trying to get up to $200 a month so I can, you know, have a little bit more financial flexibility to sort of take this, the, the channel to the next level, have more time to do some more in-depth, uh, dives into things that would just require me to need a little bit more time to research them. Um, and, and do a proper, you know, prep to pr present everything. So, uh, you know, if you like the kind of content I put out and you just want to help me, you know, do more uh, and, and grow the channel, it's patreon.com slash biblical anarchy. Uh, going for as little as $5 a month. The, uh, uh, let's see, look at the schedule coming up. Uh, Thursday, I have James Jenneman coming back uh on the show with uh jose galison of the no way jose podcast uh james gentleman's show is blackbird um and uh david brady the uh young meacock uh of the uh road to providence is joining too and we're gonna have a conversation i still don't know about what we booked this a month ago and none of us can remember what we're going to talk about but you know by god we're going to do a podcast and we'll talk about something related to liberty i'm i'm sure 
um, there's a there's a there's a wide variety of perspectives between all four of us. So I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a good time. So definitely come and watch live if you want to interact with us there. Uh, and then uh, Tuesday, April nineteenth at uh, eight o'clock, I have Dave Smith coming on the show, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, Dave uh, has talked a little bit on his show before about his kind of like journey through stuff with his family and whatnot and coming to believe in God and sort of like, you know, you know, looking at the libertarian movement and stuff and, and, and things going on in the world kind of more through that sort of religious lens. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love to, you know, I, I'm excited about the opportunity to sit down and talk with him and, and, and go, a bit, go a little bit deeper than I think he's had a chance to do so before on those subjects. Um, so yeah, that's all I got coming up uh, as far as official. Um, I have some other uh, things I'm working on. Um, actually, I think I am going to have Liam um, McCollum uh, on the show after Dave. Um, we're going to talk about um, some things that happened uh, in the Montana Libertarian Party. They just got the, uh, they removed the pro-choice plank from their Libertarian state chapter. Um, which is which is pretty cool, and it's going to allow uh, more growth into into their state party, and you know, hopefully, come Reno, uh, we'll see that something similar like that happen at the national level. But um, well, that's uh, enough housekeeping for now. I have uh, an exciting guest on tonight. Had it on the show before. Um, this guy does amazing content. Uh, he's got two different podcasts. One is called the Flyover Libertarian Podcast. The one that I really enjoy watching um, is the Anarchist Bible Study, and uh, you know, really great content. You know, and they 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 have a nice variety of short stuff and long stuff, so it kind of fits me perfectly. Sometimes I want to go and you know just have a quick twenty minute podcast, and sometimes a you know a nice forty five minute to an hour one. But they're they're putting out great content out there, and. Uh, um, I thought that uh, I'd bring uh, Josh back on to have some conversation about some things that I've that I've been thinking about, and uh, so I'm going to bring him up onto the stage right now. Josh, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh man, I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> it's uh, crazy <laughs> times we live in. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <clears throat> yep, absolutely. So. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So uh, you've been on the show before, but um, you know it's been a little while. So maybe you'll just like I don't know, introduce yourself again, and uh, your back just a just a quick like one two minute you know uh, summary of your background and uh, uh, the things you talk about on your show. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I um, I'm a youth pastor, and and that's kind of what brings me to the intersection of uh, of theology and Bible and, uh, and political philosophy is kind of, uh, uh, an interest in both of those things. And also, um, as a, uh, and we've talked about this before as more of a reformed Christian, I, I also am, um, pretty, um, for, for me, the, if I'm going to follow something, it's going to have to have biblical backing and biblical, uh, foundations. And so, um, that's why we do what what started the anarchist Bible studies. I, I already have a very interest, a uh, big interest in that. And so uh, I met my friend Jeff and he and I both had similar views and we 
wanted to uh so we just start started a show where we get together weekly and we go through um biblical text so it's been a while we were in um some some uh statements about the bible uh we, we spent a few weeks in that but yeah i mean that's that's most of what we do is we just dig into texts and we see what is it uh we, we want to dig into what the text says for its own sake and, and see what it has to say to um, those from an anarchist perspective. And that's kind of our, our perspective is we're, we're not trying to uh, necessarily prove anarchy from the text, but there's a lot of good people doing just that. We're more seeing like, so how does this inform the way we do? Um, we do anarchy and the way we do libertarianism and stuff like that. So, so. Yeah, we 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 got a Catholic in the audience calling us heretics. Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> is what it is. Um, so the uh, yeah, no, and I appreciate your guys' uh, uh approach to everything. You know, when some people, it's like they're they're too transparent sometimes about like the agenda they have when they're trying to go through scripture. Which I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe there's a time and place for it, but but sometimes I just let you know it's like. I'm a Christian first and an anarchist second. And so it's like, I would mm -hmm. rather read scripture with the Christian hat on. And then if yeah. I, along the way, notice things which inform mm -hmm. and, and add to my, my political philosophy, that's fine. But I, I never want to, mm -hmm. you know, put my political philosophy too much to bear on the text. Cause sure. you know, it's just like, you know, I, I don't believe every, you know, every spot in the Bible is going to necessarily pertain to political philosophy. It, it all right. pertains to, you know, Christ and pointing towards God's plan for, for, mm -hmm. for us. And that, that should, you know, I think lead first and yeah. foremost, but, but I think at the same time, the, uh, you know, I, I do believe um, sort of like in a, I think consequential to the, the kingdom vision that you know the bible puts out that jesus put out i think anarchism mm -hmm. is always like that sort of secondary but always present tone that i often pick up on mm -hmm. even when i'm not trying to so mm -hmm. um so yeah I can, yeah i can appreciate what you what you guys do over there um yeah. I mean, we, always, we always gotta we always run the risk of um and this is the something that i sometimes see in in um christian libertarian christian anarchist uh circles is we sometimes run the risk of doing exactly what we see the statist Christians doing, which is seeing their own political perspective in the text instead of letting the text speak to them. We always got to be careful that we don't do that too, that we're not reading uh, anarchism into texts that are just like, I mean, as, as much as, you know, and we, I know we talked about this the last show and of course, you know, this is a, you know, Romans 13 drink uh, moment, but uh, you know, there Romans 13 is in the Bible and it's good yeah. to, to see oh my gosh it, dude i ran into say, if you go back on my <laughs> if you go back on my twitter you'll see me arguing with this this woman who i mean just like reminded me of like my early uh days in like christian anarchist groups and i haven't encountered this kind of one in a while but she was going on about how like uh you know romans 13 was written by paul and paul is the antichrist and uh you know uh <laughs> like and just like oh gosh like I, I i it's like i don't know what to say to these people you know what i mean it's like uh -huh. i can i can get along with almost any christian of any persuasion except the ones that throw away the scripture you know what i mean right it's like if you do right. that it just I, you know i mean even the 
even you know even Catholic you know Catholics and Orthodox and stuff they don't they don't just like oh we're gonna ignore you know or cut out parts of the Bible and say they're not holy yeah. and inspired you know what I mean like I have my yeah. so my disagreements with 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 both of those camps and even with others in the evangelical world, but it's like, okay, we're, we're at least accepting the Bible as being the word of God and not like, you know, I mean, under, under, if we're undermining the Bible, then we're undermining the entire faith. It's just not a, it's just a non sequitur as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. My my Romans 13. (laughs) My Romans 13. That's one of, it's actually my, uh, where is it? Uh, If I stop my camera, uh, this is my shirt idea <laughs> that I'm going to be, uh, I, I, nice. I, have, I have the idea. I just have to like make it. I haven't had time to like, I don't know how to do any of that. Like make t-shirts and stuff. I need somebody to show me. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, yeah, this is definitely going on a t-shirt and uh, it'd be, it will be yeah. available for purchase at some time. In the future. Je- Jeff and I all have a bunch of ideas too of like things we could put on hats and shirts. We're like, if only we actually knew how to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, yep. So one of the things we, uh, that we wanted to talk about and, you know, I think now I'm, I'm going to sound a little braggy here, I guess, which which isn't my intention, but, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, one of the things that we're, we both have a reformed background and, you know, when I first got into reformed theology, one of the things I found really refreshing about it was more so than other evangelicals. And I don't know much about the Catholic Church and how much they teach, but um, more than any other evangelical, uh, you know, theological persuasion that I've, I'd really experienced before, uh, Reformed theology really likes to dive into the Old Testament, um, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with focusing on the New Testament. I mean, it's the gospel. It's the, the good news for the entire world. Amen to all that. But, you know, it's like the Old Testament, What you know came first it's the holy scriptures that jesus was citing from at many times and you know i I always felt like not enough uh attention was paid to it and Mm -hmm. and even more so like certain books were just kind of avoided you know whether it was because they made us uncomfortable or if it was because it was like oh these are boring like you know who can you know who can do an entire uh sermon series on the book of leviticus or or uh um or, or Deuteronomy, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's not exactly the stuff that's going to pack the pews, I guess, uh, <laughs> is what a lot of pastors no. think. But but I always appreciate uh, talking to fellow Reformed uh, Christians because, you know, I feel like we can really dive deep into the Old Testament. And I, I feel like there's a lot there that, you know, of course, there, there's so much that points to Christ. Like I had this uh, children's uh, uh, Bible that like literally takes like like most of like all the stories in it like the the thing they do is like they every uh reiteration of the story is showing where Jesus is within that story basically which is really cool and it's like helping to like raise my kids with yeah. like kind of like reading the bible in that way uh are you still there cuz your video's frozen but i think i heard you speak up no i just i was agreeing <laughs> okay all right, no, it's just Sorry. it's just buffering on my. It's probably good. I can I have it up here. Sometimes, uh, no, it's buffering a little bit too. Eh, it is what it is. Streamyard's glitchy these days, um, but, uh, but yeah. So I, you know, I like reading the Old Testament and being able to find, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus throughout the scriptures. Um, but but you know, there's a lot of history there too that I think we can learn from as far as like if we're trying to 
seek a, a biblical view on on government and and you know how to live in this uh you know live in this fallen world that we find ourselves in um you know mm-hmm. what, what are your you know observations as you if we took like a kind of like zoomed out view on the old testament as to you know some of the some of the things that that stick out to you uh yeah i mean for one thing like uh we have to always you know like you say we always have to remember that that came first um and and uh also that like you say that it's it's that is scripture to them that that was their scripture and so there there is a kind of a movement and a push um among some evangelicals um honestly it starts it, all these movements always start implicit and then move explicit where there it starts where we sort of implicitly start pushing the old testament away well it's uncomfortable it's just use it for children's bibles and for you know like uh cute stories of animals you know never mind the fact that noah's ark is describing the death of the all the human race except for six people like there's bodies laying in the in the water out beyond the pretty picture of noah and the animals but like you know that we we kind of just move it to the point of and honestly like aesop's fables or something like some kind of a uh just cute children's stories uh, and and then we avoid the ugly stuff we avoid some of the hard stuff and um and and we do like put aside especially a lot of the law there's sort of a uh well i'm not under law so what does that have to teach me uh approach um and and so we end up coming to a view of the old testament that none of the people that were reading in the new testament would have taken of it and um, and now it's becoming more and more explicit as, you know, we've got people like Andy Stanley saying that Christians need to unhitch from the Old Testament, which uh, the truth is, if you if you do that, we're going to have nothing left like this is this yeah. is foundational, like the Old, old Testament is foundational for understanding well, the, the claim. The, yeah, I mean, the and, claim of yeah. Jesus as Messiah is grounded in the right. Old Testament. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Well, yeah, not to mention the fact that, you know, the pedigree of people trying to push away the uh, push away the Old Testament among the people who want to get rid of the Old Testament. um, There's, you know, some not great people in there. Um, And and, and we can see where those kind of movements tend toward um, as far as rejecting certain doctrines. um, (laughs) Yeah. putting certain people in boxcars, uh, you know, there's, there's things like that that come along, uh, when, when people try to de- disconnect the old Testament. Uh, and, and so not only is it practically somewhat dangerous and historically somewhat questionable, theologically, it leaves us with very little because, um, you know, like one of the things that we were doing on the anarchist Bible studies, we're looking at the book of revelation, which I find to be a deeply anarchistic book. Um, contrary to what some futurists, uh, dispensationalists think about it. But one thing that's very clear is you can't uh, read the book without an under- yeah, without an understanding of the Old Testament. You're missing most of what's going on in that in that book. And so are the you know, you're you're cutting the legs out of the stool um when when you start taking out the old testament. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I've used that same analogy before. Um, so, and, and, and to me, it's like, and again, you know, all the caveat, you know, we'll, we'll make this caveat probably 10 more times before the show is over, but again, being careful to not do eisegesis and, you know, p- push our yeah. 
views on the text. Um, to me, it's like uh, even if I'm like just half tr- like just, just like half awake, half hearing the Bible being read on a Sunday or reading it, when I go back mm-hmm. through the Old Testament, you know, some of these hard passages, so to speak. Sometimes I feel like it's just people read them in isolation and not like, and yeah. it's yeah. like a lot of this is just solved by understand what the book is, who it was written by, who it was written to, what it was written for. And mm-hmm. if you have the context of, of those answers in your mind mm-hmm. while you're reading it, sometimes it's just like, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of problematic passages, so to speak, that are just like, okay, well, this was God dealing with you know, very uncivilized people who had spent centuries mm-hmm. in, in, in Egypt and slavery and is just trying to make them a little bit less evil than they are right now, yeah. <laughs> which is, I mean, you know, like so much yeah, of what people absolutely. have an issue with is there. And I feel like sometimes people, you know, there was, I guess, an element of, you know, quote unquote law. Like there was like certain laws and stuff in the Old Testament that was like, you know, people will bring up like stoning kids or holding slaves or or whatever, but it's like, okay, but like Mm -hmm. God was taking people from a culture where things were very perverse, very, you know, I guess pagan for lack of a better word, very evil. And just like, okay, he's like, well, you know, I'm not going to get these people to, to, you know, to to live righteously in, in a, in a short period of time. So I'm going to, you know, we're we're, going to move the needle from, you know, uh, very bad to just bad. (laughs) <laughs> and and see if and then they yeah. still fail to live up to that um but but i think there's mm-hmm. a but but you know to me you know that whole um like when you're looking at the old testament from like a you know like a bird's eye view you know something that i take away from it which i i, I don't know i don't know what your thoughts would be but it's almost like god is sort of allowing a lot of things to happen and like letting and and almost and ordaining over certain things not necessarily because he's prescribing those uh, things, whether it's uh, whether it's a king, uh, like in First Samuel eight, whether it's uh, mm-hmm. you know conquering our enemies through through might or the sword, um, whatever. And he, like these things are playing out, but it's like, okay, is God saying these things are good, or is he understanding these people are evil and are going to do these things, and so he's he's. Mm-hmm you know, letting them happen. Of course, he's ordaining over everything because he's God and sovereign, but he's doing that. To, he's doing that to sort of teach a lesson throughout mm-hmm. the entirety of the Old Testament, which I think there's many lessons. I think the, the you know, first and foremost, the lesson is, you know, the need for a savior because of yeah. how of how wicked and fallen we are. But but mm-hmm. I think maybe like a secondary lesson there is, um you know, so contrasted with we need a savior, the state cannot mm. save us. The state cannot yeah. lead us to righteousness. The state cannot mm. uh, take evil people and turn them good. That, that's something yeah. that I come away with a lot when I'm reading through a majority of the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Oh, go, yeah. Go on. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... You know, sometimes you'll hear that sort of like describe, they'll read a part of the Bible and be like, oh, this is, this is good. And this is the good inspired word of God. It's describing these terrible things. And I'm like, well, that's kind of like judging a biographer for the way he explains Hitler, you know, which again, Hitler drink, (laughs) but, (laughs) but like, 
it, you know, you're, it's like judging the biographer because he describes the things that this her- terrible person did. Like he's, they're not inventing this. They're saying this is what right. happened. Right. This is what these people are doing. And, and the thing, the truth is you find the most wonderful, amazing human being in the world, which, um, you know, most of us believe we found when we meet that person that we're going to, to marry. And then we come to find out that even the best person in the world, uh, has flaws and makes mistakes and sometimes will really tick you off. And so there's the truth is there is evil in the world. And there's some things that we, we look at the old Testament. We say, well, this is just descriptive, but then why does it have to end up in our, our, our scriptures? I think you've got sort of the two, the two prongs that like you're, you're looking at that you're bringing up is kind of on the one hand, there's the show of even the best, even the most righteous, like the God's own heart was a murderer and an adulterer. Like that is something that, that it does point to the fact that every one of us, we need something more than what this can, what this, what, whether it's the institution of the sacrificial system or the old Testament law, or it's the state or the, or, or governance, like in the end, we need something more than what this can do for us. And, um, and, and there's lots of applications for that, for political theory, but also like, the other thing that we see that you're bringing up is, is that, and this is amazing news for all of us is that God is able to turn good from evil and he turns evil Amen, and yeah. bad actions to good. The The greatest evil of all history being the death of his son. And that was used for the greatest good of history. Now we, we can, the, um, you know, as we're talking, we're, we're coming up to Easter season where we celebrate um, the greatest evil that ever happened, but it was turned to the greatest good, which is the salvation of those who come to him in faith. And, uh, and, and that's great news because then I look at my own life and all the failures that I do and all the ways that I fall short. And I have to say, isn't it amazing that God is able to turn good from even my failure, even my foolishness and sin and um, sometimes wickedness, you know, I, I can have some wicked thoughts and, and do some bad things. And, and, but God is able to do good and turn good from that. And, and that's greatly comforting and encouraging. And, um, and especially, but, but especially that first thing that, but what, oh, sorry. No. Um, so, but especially on that too, like there's also a sense in which we can see that when it comes to the kingship in the Bible, there is something of God turning a good from an evil. And, and um, yeah, especially like looking at first Samuel eight, like that is a, the, God is telling them, you don't want this. You don't want this. This is what's going to happen. If you get a King, you're, you were doing just fine before, which of course should, you know, maybe. Uh, color a little bit of the way we read judges because I think some people read judges without keeping first Samuel eight in mind. And, and that ends up skewing what they're saying about it. But you say like, you're, you're doing just fine with me as your King. You don't want this King, but they still wanted it. And what comes out of that King, what comes out of the King is David, the Davidic line, and ultimately the Messiah who comes and dies and rises again for our sins. Like that's good coming from evil, you know? Yeah. No, and, and yeah, and amen for that. I mean, you know, one of the, you know, I mean, I, again, not trying to toot our own horns here. I don't get to talk to a lot of fellow Reformed Christians. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm always stuck talking to, you know, 
Catholics or uh, uh, it's mostly Catholics, and I don't know why. Yeah, there's a lot of Catholics and <laughs> Christian yeah. movement, which is good yeah. to find. Like you know, it's like I don't yeah. I don't hate Catholicism. We 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 all get along good, but it's like you know, it's like I I really love in Reformed theology, which I I find myself you know you know mostly you know that's what's what informs most of my my theology. Um, but I really love the emphasis on how God's sovereignty is. Like sometimes people will be like, "Oh, well, God predestines everything, so he he he's the author of sin and predestines evil." Like, no, he takes what man intends for evil, and has ordained it all for mm-hmm. for our good, for the good of, mm-hmm. of 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 all, and for you know His own glory, which is you know to mm-hmm. to our to our good and benefit. And you know, thank mm-hmm. you know, like that's that's amazing, and and we should be you know giving praise to that. Um, and so, yeah, well, you, you brought up the book of Judges, which is what we're, you know, we wanted to focus in on tonight after um, my cat stops bumping into my microphone. Um, the, uh, yeah, <laughs> cats are the bad type of anarchists. They're like, they're, yep. they're the no, the no rules type of anarchists. They're just like, you know, That's, right. ah, fuck yeah. <laughs> That's exactly um, right. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, you know, you and you you brought up to uh yeah, like like reading judges with with first Samuel 8 in mind, which is not how most people most people it's like, you know, mm-hmm. read the book of judges and you end it on, you know, and there was no king in the land of Israel. And that's right. it. And then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now we're going to go and preach on Acts. It's mm-hmm. like, wait, no. Yeah. The story's not done. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. I I I am grateful that my pastor who is uh a fellow Calvinist didn't do that. He actually ended the book on Judges by pointing to that passage. Now he's no Christian mm. anarchist, but he's at least um, I think he has a, a very you know consistent reformed view on the state. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at least for like a, like a you know he, he's not. I wouldn't describe him as a statist. You know what I mean? Like there's some Christians mm. who aren't maybe like anarchists but their fellow travelers because they at least have a proper view of god and and the kingdom and especially right. like i think the reformed christians are like such an emphasis is put on the you know how much we need christ as a savior and our inability mm-hmm. to save ourselves that it's like and it's not the way my pastor portrayed it he was like you know you know he was like you know yeah the you know the the civil war happened and the stuff happened in judges and, uh, and it wasn't great. And it says there was no King in the land, but guess what? They got a King still wasn't good. The mm-hmm. the King they needed was Jesus. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was good. That's, that's at least a good, you know, solid yeah. starting point to, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, better than what I think some pastors would do. So I'm, I'm grateful. I don't have a pastor who's pushing, you know, like American exceptionalism and, and crap on me at the very least. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you, you have the very least need to start there with the, the acknowledgement that the King didn't, you know, when they got a King, it didn't make anything better. And then, you know, one of the things that I've always wondered is like, you know, the book of judges, which is, I don't know the exact period of time as far as number of years it's, it's describing, but um it, 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 I think it's fairly lengthy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, that time period is sometimes construed as like, you know, oh, it was it was anarchy and it was chaos and all these bad things happened. But I, I think the book of Judges sort of like 
focuses in and describes maybe some of the bad things that happened. But I think for the most part, you know, like the stuff it leaves out is sort of telling too, because there were mm -hmm. periods of time where there weren't bad things happening and it seems like they, they were getting along pretty well without a mm -hmm. king. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We always, we always clue in on the, and then things started going bad, but then like, yeah, but there was 70 years of peace before that. Right. Like, <laughs> like let's, not, let's not skip over that part. Like that's, there's also good stuff happening in the, in the book of judges. And, and then we, we, I think the first error we always make whenever we're studying anything, the first error is always, and we're always um, prone to this is to take a text out of context. You know, yeah. whether that's context in, in the, in the text, the context of the rest of the story or the rest of the book, or uh, the big thing is out of historical context. Like we don't look at what's going on. Like, I think that issue of slavery like if we we looked at the historical context of slavery that you brought up, like that's there we're dealing with a different kind of slavery for one thing than what American slavery was. Like there's no defense for American slavery. Um, no. What was going on back then is a little bit more nuanced. Um, right. We're not going to get into that, but but you know there there's but there's um, historical context. Libertarians don't like nuance, Josh. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Nuance is a violation of the nap, I think, or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, you've got historical context, literary context, and I think the big thing is canonical context. Like what you're what you're bringing up is that we need to look not only at what that book is, but what is that book moving into? What is that book coming out of? And um, I find with judges, and we actually did a study of this uh, on our show, an anarchist Bible study. We looked at Judges 17 through 21, which is where these this this phrase. There was no king in Israel and everyone did what they pleased comes from these five chapters and these one of the most horrific stories in the Bible. Like we, you've got uh, a woman. Well, first of all, at big time, they're supposed to worship in one place, according to Deuteronomy. And here is this priest this levite who's living far from where he's supposed to be living and he's uh worshiping gods he's not supposed to be worshiping he's being a priest that when he's not supposed to be a priest he was just a levite and uh he's he's serving for money not for the lord and then you move into the next chapter you find another levite doing terrible things he's got a concubine well concubines that's the type of thing that rich people have so what's going on with this levite that he's got a concubine like that's that's crazy. And then this concubine is either not faithful or is there's some, there's some translational difficulties. Either the, the concubine isn't faithful or he is somehow abusing her. And so she's run from him to her home. And um, in both cases, what's interesting is you've got a movement away from Bethlehem into uh, Ephraim, which is significant. And I'll hmm. come back to that. But like okay. in both cases, <laughs> You've got, but then, but then, yeah, the concubine gets raped to death, and then, uh, and and it's a it's a scene that evokes Sodom and Gomorrah, and and what's terrible about that is this is the people of Israel. This is a, a Israelite town that is happening in, and, and so you got Israelites acting like Sodom and Gomorrah, the great wicked villains, and and what he does is he carves up his concubine into twelve pieces, sends her across 
sends her body parts to all the tribes of Israel and they all come back for war. And we're left. Yeah. And then we they tack on that phrase. There's no king in Israel. And everyone did as they please. Um, but I think there's a few details that get missed in that passage that, that are really important. For one thing, um, this comes at the end of the book. And so we're like, oh, okay, all right. So this is important. This is so, so our immediate uh, response or thought is, so this is chronologically late. Um, except you get to the end of chapter 18 and they finally give, and it's, it's, it's amazing. This is written like a mystery novel in some ways. Uh, the end of the story of the Levite who is worshiping false gods, uh, you know, the, the Danites taking the, the Levite and, and Micah. And at the end of it, it finally comes around and gives his name. And the people of Dan set up their carved images. And this is uh, 1830 for themselves. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, son of Moses and his sons were the priests of the tribes of the Danite until the day of the captivity of the land. This is the grandson of Moses who is doing this. This unnamed Levite is the grandson of Moses. So that means two things. First, things have gone bad in a hurry. <laughs> like the lawgiver of Israel is outright and blatantly breaking God's law. And two, this is a lot earlier in the chronology than what we think it is. Like we're hmm. going back in time to tell this story, to show something that's going on um, under the surface. And also that's going to uh, color that phrase. There is no king in Israel. Well, they didn't use the word king at the beginning of the judges period. That's not a, that's not a phrase they used. They called them judges. Hmm. And so, we can see he's he's not shaping this chronologically. Uh, whoever is writing it, they're not shaping it chronologically. They're shaping it thematically. They're putting this at the end of the book for a purpose. And uh, and so we want to pay attention to that. Like, what is what are they driving at? Because then you get to the next story and we find that the name of the high priest at that time is Phineas, which is the third high priest in Israel. So, again, this is also a very early story. And so... Um, we, we can, we can start now. Of course we, we're going to, there's no way we can not become a little bit uh, speculative at this point. We have to start asking like, okay, so what is, what are they trying to drive at? Why are they putting this early story at the end? Why are they using language that isn't common to the early judges period? And they're using it here. And that's when these details, like the fact that there is someone going from Bethlehem to Ephraim, and particularly, they're going to Benjamin. Hmm. Becomes significant. So suddenly, something starts. A picture starts to form, and suddenly, we're also remembering there is a similar instance instance that Saul does, where he carves up an oxen into twelve pieces, as a way of summoning Israel. Now, of course, you know we're gonna be like, oh well, well, do we know that Judges was Judges takes place before Samuel? Yeah, but no one reading this is not gonna know about. The instance in Samuel, like you're going to read this story of a Levite carving up his concubine and you're like, oh, didn't Saul do that? Like, didn't Saul do something like that? And so it becomes clear, like, what are the, what is the king we're talking about? We're not just talking about any old king. We're talking about the king. We're talking about David. Hmm. And so suddenly it starts to be clear what we're seeing here in 18 through 21 uh, through 22 is not a apology for kingship it is a argument against 
the, the kingship of Saul for the kingship of David. It is a warning not to leave Bethlehem to go back to Benjamin. And so we're, so with all that in mind, we're starting to see like this, there is a purpose to judges. They're talking about how good leadership uh, and righteous action is what's important. Not necessarily that there must be a monarchy, like not necessarily that monarchy is good. There's not a contradiction of first Samuel eight. It's a context within a first Samuel nine situation that, that in, in light of the fact that we have a kingship, we should desire good kingship and not wicked kingship, which mm. that alone is kind of like, I think that does have something to say to us anarchists to say, all right. So in light of the fact that we don't want a king, uh, we don't want a king, but in the context that we do have a king, what should that king be like? Mm. Right? Like we, we yeah. don't want a state, but what should that state be like insofar as it exists? Sure. And I think that is a, a useful way to look at the book of Judges. But also it recontextualizes the book of Judges so we can come to other con uh, conclusions about the, the time period. Um, it, it no longer becomes this period of anarchy that must yeah. be overcome by a kingship. Uh, be now we can look back on the Judges and be like, yeah. Well, now you look back on the period of Judges and actually ask things about the politics of it and say, well, maybe this wasn't a bug, but a feature. That the, the whole point of leadership and, and kingship wasn't that it was supposed to be passed down and, and kept held on to. And, you know, there wasn't supposed to be lineages of kingships. There was a, if a period of time came where there was a need for a leadership, God would provide the leader. You know, and, and, uh, and that's what he did. Oh, again, again. And yeah, like we said earlier, there's, there's also, yeah, there's, there's uh backsliding and chaos, but there's also 70 years of peace, man. Right. We haven't had well, 70 and, years and of peace in this country. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and what's funny. Yeah. It's like, hmm, what's the last time that a state brought forth 70 years of peace? I can't, <laughs> Right. I don't know. Like, I don't even yeah. know if a single time in American history where you could count 70 years in a row without some kind of military like it's yeah, i mean I no i mean because you have 1776 then 1812 then yeah. the mexican war and then civil war and then uh -huh. i don't know how long between the civil war and then the next is the next one the world war one or would it be is there something between world war one and the civil war i'm forgetting tense yeah so that was probably the longest stretch yeah, and that might have been what 45 years so not a little over half of what, uh, uh, yeah, and, and, and we're talking about, and, we're, and the, the thing to point out that comes to mind too, not so much a biblical insight, but just more of a, you know, anarchist insight. This was anarchy before capitalism and before technology and like all of the things that I always think make anarchy yeah, yeah. Uh, more, more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? more workable uh and more probable to, to 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 last in you know today's society than in than in society's past um but but you know it's just another example mm -hmm. and there's other examples in history of you know short-term history like you know like i think there's like a there was a a civilization in ireland that had a somewhat lengthy period of anarchy that was that, that was somewhat peaceful um 
you know, so yeah, I mean, it's just one more example of how it's like, well, they were able to manage it for this long in, in not the most ideal circumstances. So, you know, at the very least, you know, and, 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 and then two, I think secondary, it's like, okay, well, if we can't have anarchy, clearly there is something else to this text too, which is, it's not just, you know, simping for a king. It's saying, like, like I, I like um, what, what you said. It's like, if it, you know, kings are bad, but if you're going to have a king, uh, make sure it's at least a good one, one that's submitting to God mm-hmm. and not one that, uh, you know, yeah. is going to going to abuse their power, um, which is which is also it's like it pushes back yeah. on sometimes the, uh, the 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 more statist Christian interpretation of a lot of these passages where they're just like, you know, well, obviously we need the government to control us and. You know, Romans 13, obey the obey the government under, you know, all circumstances. Um, you know, I, it's like this kind of, you know, it's just one more uh, unraveling of that of that that thread that, that it doesn't really exist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and, and also, on the other hand, and also to, to the other side, it also pushes back on the um, completely ignore politics entirely stance that sometimes we we find oh um, yes yeah you know libertarians and anarchists getting to of, of like completely ignore it like no well no i mean or or also like there's sometimes especially you know you brought up um uh in your in your pre-show your early show about the issue of abortion well like sometimes the the question people you know like libertarians will be like well if i'm against abortion so I, do i have to be but but I'm also against state violence. So do I just do I need to forswear all political means of ending abortion of of being pro life and and to be like well no because yes we're against the state violence but as long as the state exists they should prevent murder like that's that if if anything if there's a if there's a government that's what they should be doing is stopping murder or, and so or, or maybe like, like yeah which so here's another one if 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 the if the state exists. And it's forcing kids to go to public schools. Maybe those public schools yeah. shouldn't be indoctrinating kids with crazy leftist crap like, like these insane right. gender theories. And it's okay to take oh, yeah. hormones and stuff to stop puberty and stuff because you might really be, yeah. you know, even though you're a girl, you might really be a boy. It's like, yeah, like you know, it's like I, I mean, listen, I would like to abolish public schools. I encourage everybody to take their yeah. kids out of public schools, but yeah. It's okay to, while the state exists, to push back on the state doing awful shit (laughs) and to at least be like, you know, and then insofar as if the state's claiming a monopoly over civil governance, well, I think the the problem is the Romans 13 ordained civil governance. And I think there's no way around that. I think in order for those who are acting in that role to be biblically consistent they would have to be doing so not within a statist paradigm, or at least not within a traditional statist paradigm. Because I think statist means, and also kind of like the consequence of having a state from a perspective of like the, the sort of idolatry and, and slothfulness that it sort of promotes. Like the, I think those are in conflict mm-hmm. with the Bible and with Romans 13 itself. But okay. Mm-hmm. If you have a faulty governing system in your society, the solution obviously is to push back against it, but then if there's no alternatives, well, you can't just do nothing in the face of those who do evil. So that's why, like, listen, mm-hmm. if 
if uh you know someone uh vandalizes my car you know like slashes the tire stuff and i catch it on film well i'm still going to go after that person to get restitution and i don't have any private uh arbitration means available to me so i'm going to have to use the state and demand that the state do its job even though i know the state is sort of a you know, very fallen, very failed entity that I don't ultimately support. But if it's the only option, you know, or or let's take something that's not just Mm -hmm. about, you know, my my property being damaged, let's say, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, as an as a as an anarchist and and as a Christian, I tend to have a very low view of the police system. I try not to hate the people, but but, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I I view police state police uh, as an institution as as being a net uh you know negative to society but um if someone kidnapped mm-hmm. my child or kid or, or or kidnapped a child and uh you know I, I didn't feel that i was in a in a place that i could go out on my own and and intervene um yeah i would still be calling the police and trying to get them involved in in rescuing the child so you, you know yeah. I, this is something that i for yeah. some reason, a lot of libertarians don't yeah. understand. It's like we're against the government, so we can't ever use it. It's like, well, we're against the capital G government, but we still need government for society to function. So, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a bit of a balancing yeah. act there, which I'm not saying is easy, um, but you yeah. can't just allow lawlessness to prevail in society. I think. Right. So. Yeah, and. And also, like that, that leaves open some options. Yeah, that also leaves to open some options of like, um, uh, we can see, and especially having that perspective of good can be brought of evil is to say, like, so, um, and I, and I think this is where, like, we're seeing much more, I think, a resurgence, and and of course, there's a debate about where where it should take place, but of people saying using politics. Um, not just as an educational platform, actually using um, work in politics to try and carve out more liberty. And there's, of course, the debate between whether it should be done on the libertarian side or on the uh, Republican side. Um, but I think there's a good I think that's a good conversation to be having because like, you know, in particular, like talking about the police, like, yeah, there's there's a sense in which like, yeah, the the the. Uh, they are the enforcement arm of the state. They're the uh, violent arm of the violent institution. But at the same time, like there is, I think, a way for um, carving out liberty by pursuing, for instance, like maybe what we maybe what the libertarians want to push for elections is elected libertarian sheriffs. Like you think about what kind of a power, like what kind of a ability to pull to, to carve out little areas for liberty would happen if we could elect libertarian sheriffs and get them in places where they would say, you know, people running on the institution of saying like, or running on the platform, I am not going to enforce unjust laws. Like, man, that's, that's a way to, to, to see movement. And we can be a little bit creative in that. And and at the same time, not lose our principles. Yeah. There's something very, and you know, I, I, so in that debate, I usually side on, at least on a, for, for me personally, I prefer to work within the LP. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with like a, a, you know, both. I mean, I think if you feel called to go into the GOP, do that. If you feel called to, to do stuff with the LP and, and the LP Mises caucus, mm-hmm. most likely then, then, then do that. And I, I think, 
you know, some people, I think it kind of depends on the state and the region, what might make, yeah, make yeah. and then your personal connections and skill set, which might inform what makes right. the most sense for you. Um, you know, I, I try to maintain friendly dialogues with those who are doing the stuff in the GOP. Like I've had Andrew from Popular Liberty, um, who's, uh, I think, the founder of the, the, the GOP Macy's Caucus on my show a few times. And, you know, I think there's ways we, we you know, should work together. I mean, I, you know, the, the Mises caucus believes in issue coalitions, which means, you know, mm-hmm. it's easier to do issue coalitions if you have friendly, you know, libertarian minded people yeah. on in the, the GOP that you can, you know, have as, as contact points and, and, and keeping you informed of what's going on there, et cetera. Um, so, so yeah, I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both and. Right. Um. But but insofar as, um. So like that that's going on, and some people are kind of wringing their hand still about doing that, especially from a Christian anarchist perspective. I, I noticed some having yeah. some qualms about that, and you know, one of this is to me sort of, and I've had this conversation with Andrew on my show, sort of a consequence of like a. I got a pathological turn that the principle of the separation of church and state has sort of brought about. And it's like one of those things where it's like, I I sort of, there's a baby in the bathwater there. And it's like, I think the separation of church and state is like, it's like half a good idea, but, but sort Mm. of like, but, but I think it's like, it's either too simplistic that it sort of like is easily misused or it's not an entirely true statement. You know, one of the things that the way I, mm-hmm. I look at it is sort of in a, uh, like so there's a Kuyperian idea of like sphere sovereignty. And I think insofar as God ordains different types of authority and, and, and there's different spheres that um, are supposed to, you know, yeah. remain separate, you know, to, to an extent, I think, yeah, we should not confuse the church with right. government but that does yeah. not mean that government should be devoid of the church or christians yeah. Yeah. and and i think that's a problem i think you know christians yeah. we should be seeking to be leaders in our communities yeah. leaders in our nations um because a if if we're going to if we if you believe in anarchy well then taking a leadership role in your local communities gets you closer to that and then yeah while these governing structures still exist, well, do you wish them to be controlled by non-Christians and by people who are going to plunge society further into darkness? Or do you mm-hmm. want to, you know, you know, have those controlled by, by Christians? Again, this is a divide where I think some of the more mm-hmm. Anabaptist uh, and sometimes the more yeah. Orthodox leaning Christian anarchists view the state as just, uh, an instrument that is like pure violence and they have such a pacifistic approach to yeah. things that they just like, well, no, we have to reject it being involved in the state entirely. Um, which fair enough. I mean, to yeah. each their own, I, I would never force somebody to say like, well, you need to be involved. But uh, I do think what's ironic about that approach is if you are a pacifist and you don't want there to be violence, but you want, the state to go away it's like well what avenues do you have left if you're not going to do politics Mm -hmm. and you're not going to do violent revolution i'm failing to see what the third option is i mean i'm a fan of agorism but it's not going to end the state 
So, you know, I don't know. Food, food for right. thought there. A little bit of a tangent, but yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead, and I don't know if you have any any thoughts on anything I just ripped no, I, out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think recentering that issue of church and state back, sorry, uh, back in the area of sphere sovereignty is actually helpful and so actually i prefer instead of the separation of church and state the distinction between keys and sword like uh mm. the, the the church bears the keys of the kingdom their job is to open and shut the king the kingdom of god by it's opened by preaching the gospel it's closed by um the use of discipline church discipline um which that's a whole other rabbit hole we could go down but uh right <laughs> um but then there's the institution of the sword is for the institution of civil government for, for wielding over civil governance, whether it's uh, in the current paradigm, it is, we do have a state. We have to deal with that. And as you say, you know, as long as we have, there's a violent institution, wouldn't we rather uh, peaceful people be in charge of it? <laughs> uh, I think so. Um, but uh, there, there's also like, but, but in any, government there in any situation there's going to be a need for the sword whether we we're using that um metaphorically or or, or literally like in the case of um using violence to resist um violation of liberty and rights and property rights particularly um but i think that's the uh, yeah i think that that's kind of that's a much more helpful way to think of it is a distinction between keys and sword. Um, don't wail, don't wield the, the church should not wield the sword. The church wields the Kings or the keys. This, the government government, not wield the keys. They are, they have no authority over what the church does in preaching or in teaching or in gathering or planning. And, um, and yeah, the two must not overlap. Uh, or the two must not must not come into each other's spheres, but right. the separation of church and state is not the separation of Christianity and state. Right. Like we, right. we can't, I can't not be a Christian when I'm interacting with politics. Like that's never been the, the call of the, the distinction. And, right. um, and, and, and I think, yeah. you know, so, <laughs> any so more than I people... stop speaking English when I come to church. Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, I think that, the structures of civil governance should be, and I, I, I'd love if there was a better word. I, I struggle for a better word uh, than describing them as secular. There's got to be a better word than that, though. But what I mean by that is just that they're not controlled by the church. That it's not like a, it's not like the church is this giant umbrella, and one arm of the church is government. Um, so to me, you know the institutions of government, however they may be, should be, uh, you know, non, uh, nonpartisan in a sense of like not being controlled by any one religion, whether that be Christianity, whether that be Islam, whether that be atheism, you know, whatever it should be, you know, cause, cause there's always going to be people in society that are not Christian. So, you know, insofar as, you know, Romans 12 says, insofar as depends on you live at peace with all. So, you know, we, we have a duty to do that with with the non-believers uh, that, that live, um, you know, in our communities or at least that are living in neighboring communities. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we have to keep those institutions from being 
you know, run by the church as I think was mistakenly done, you know, throughout like a lot of European history. Um, and, and, and there, I think there was, you know, obvious consequences to that, but, um, but yeah, I think the way you put it is correct. Like, you know, but that doesn't mean that, that Christians should not be trying to influence the institutions of government in the same way that we are called to, you know, we're, we're to be salt and light to the world. So we should be yeah. trying to push uh, the truth and, and speaking truth to power as far as what is, what is good and what is just to, mm-hmm. uh, to, 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 you know, everywhere, whether it's to our, our educators, whether it's to our, our, our bankers or our financial advisors, whether it's to, to businesses um, in our communities and, and including government, uh, however, however, yeah. whatever form it takes, we should be, um, you know, I- influencing uh, those things in the ways that, that we are called to do so. So I, I think that is the, you know, the hard to, you know, there, there's no like, you know, separation of separation of church and state. It's a quick five word saying, and it sounds nice, but it, it, it it's too clumsy of a phrase. It's, 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 it's a, and I think it's been misused. I, I like what you said. It's a, uh, what, what were the keys and the swords? What was it again? Mm-hmm. Distinction of keys and sword. Yep. Distinction of, of keys and sword. I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, no, that's good stuff. Uh, was there anything, I don't know, in your notes and stuff, anything we missed as far as the, the, the book of the book of judges go, we got a little bit off there, but as we're, oh, no. we're wrapping it's, it's up for, okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no, that's good. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy with, uh, uh, the, the ground we covered. Cause that's, um, and Oh, my cat is up on the table now. Um, hello, <laughs> you want to say hi and not knock over all my stuff? Nope. Okay. Now, she's <laughs> going, now he's going into complete like claws out mode. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> this is why anarchy doesn't work. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We need anarchy for, or we need uh, a government so that the cats don't run wild. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's probably like a joke there. Like, you know, this is why the Egyptians worshiped cats, right? You know, it's, <laughs> anarchy is pagan. Right. <laughs> uh, um, no, you know, sometimes, you know, get your thoughts on this. It's like, you know, sometimes like I, I hate the English language because th- there's not good words sometimes. And so like, you know, I said earlier, what was I? What, oh, yeah, I, I I want a different word than the word secular, but I'm failing to come up with one. Um, you know, sometimes I don't like, you know, I'll use the term reformed theology, but people don't know what that is. And so, you know, I can say Calvinism, but it's like, eh, I don't like that word either. Um, another word I don't like, but again, I fail to know of a better one is anarchy because yeah when you encounter like, so like, you know, my, my pastor and my associate pastor know I'm a, a, an anarchist. And so like, I went over to, 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 for dinner at my associate pastor's house and, and that came up and it was a bit of a, I mean, good spirited, but contentious conversation. Cause he, he just couldn't get past the preconceived notions of what anarchy is. Um, and so it's like, you know, uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. It's like, I don't like to shy away from, like, I want to be honest, right? It's like, I don't yeah. want to call my political philosophy something that it isn't and then have people catch right. me in like a, 
you know, like, oh, you're being sneaky and disingenuous. Mm -hmm. But it's like, man, that word has so much baggage. It's like, is there a better word? Some people opt for voluntarist, but I feel like that's like people will just be like, well, what is that? And then you'll still end up in the same place. I think it's kind of unavoidable, but I don't know. I mean, you know, how do you how do you approach that problem? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I'm when I refer to myself as an anarchist, um, I'm I'm kind of in group signaling a lot of times, you know, like I'm I'm kind of I know that I'm I'm largely talking to to fellow uh, libertarians. If I'm talk if I'm talking to someone just in my church, I'm probably just going to be like libertarian. You know, (laughs) I'm just going to I'm going to leave it at that. And um, but I think that word has baggage, but yeah, (laughs) a little safer. That's true. That's true. Um, but like, I think there's, there's this thing that we as a society have gone with, um, that used to be much more common. That is we use a word and then we define the word. And sometimes we have to define the word by what it is and the word by what it is. And, um, uh, there's a reality that every word is going to fall short. If we were using Spanish, we'd find words that we, that are going to fall short in that language. If we're using German, whatever, I mean, you know, German, they could just shove a bunch of words together, I guess. But uh, you know, there, there's, there's going to be a point at which. I think Germany words... is yell loudly and, and it can mean whatever <laughs> you want. Right. It's just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a point at which all words kind of need to be explained. And that's where like we that is a big problem, I think, with the Internet. I love the Internet, but there's one problem with Internet culture is it's not a lot of room for defining your terms. And so that's why so often on Twitter we end up yelling past each other. It's because we're using the same word, but it means different things. Um, and that's going to happen all the time on, on the Internet. And there's this extent to which you almost want to just be like, all right, so maybe we just acknowledge that Twitter's not for doing this but when you're in in individual conversations like i think it's perfectly legitimate to be like all right first of all can i explain to you what i mean by anarchy i do not mean probably what you're thinking and say like you know in the same way that you know i had a you know we had a conversation i had a conversation with someone on twitter and, and they were like um they thought you know they said first of all if you're gonna say that god can't do something don't don't use that word i'm like hold up hold up hold up, hold up. We, there are lots of things that we say that God can't do. Let's say, for instance, that God can't be both God and not God. It is not, uh, it is not violating omnipotence to say that there are things that God can't do. We're saying there is not something that God is not powerful enough to do. But God cannot contradict himself. He cannot be, um, he cannot be God and not God. We, you know, there, and 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 I had just been reading. Can God um, make a rock like, too big for him to lift, and <laughs> right. And I had just been reading the 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 Chicago statement on on biblical inerrancy with R.C. Sproul's uh, commentary. He wrote a book uh, commentary on that, and and we were showing the anarchist Bible study, and and he brought up that fact. It's like, wouldn't this just because we have to explain a, a word by what it means and by what it doesn't mean doesn't mean it's not a useful word. It just sure. means. That's what we've done with everything since the beginning of the church. We've taken, we always take terms and we define it by what it is and isn't. Um, I think one of my favorite creeds that we don't read is the, uh, uh, the, um, oh my goodness, uh, blanking on the word, uh, 
the 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 Athanasian Creed, the Athanasian Creed, which is defining the Trinity and the hypostatic union, and it is filled with, well, it means this, but not this, but not this, but not this. Which which this, creed is that? But not this, not this. Athanasian. Uh, it's na- named after Athan uh, the Athanasius, which is probably not he probably isn't the one who wrote it but it it does fit his theology um but the athanasian creed is is um an exposition of of trinitarian and chalcedonian uh theology and it's 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 filled with that um this but not this but not this but not this but not this this but not this but not this but not this but not this i just pulled it up i'm going to read it later i've never i've never read that creed before so yeah i'm reading it's a it's a it's a great one it's a great one um, but I think that's, that's, it's perfectly fine to do that with the anarchy, but also there's, it's also perfectly, uh, fine to sometimes be in situations where you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. And so take <laughs> and that, in those <laughs> cases, I'm like, I'll just take the easy way out and be like, well, yeah. well what are you? Well, I, I'm, uh, I know for this conversation, it would be helpful for you to know that I am not a Democrat. So that's what I'm going to leave it at. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I feel that. Yeah, I think it makes sense to sometimes just use the word libertarian as an umbrella term. And then mm-hmm. as you get more time to one on one converse with someone, yeah. you know, you know, sometimes I'll bring up anarchy. Sometimes I'll just, you know, let them figure it out. I just kind of mm-hmm. go with whatever feels right in that conversation. Right. Um, it, It's always fun. It's more fun to let people figure it out. You know, yeah. it's, it's like it's like, well, should well, like, well, it's like, you know, well, what about this? Like, no, I don't think that's right. What about this? No, I don't think the government can do that. It's like, well, that, that's just, that's just, that just leaves the anarchy. It's like, yeah, yeah well, <laughs> let's talk about and, that. <laughs> and there's, there's this also a sense in which I think there's sometimes, you know, it, it was really fascinating. And sometimes someone will make a comment on Twitter and be like, you know, there's more to life than libertarianism. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I use Twitter for libertarianism. That's what I, that's what I do on here. Yeah, there's like, literally no other seeing, point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I'm, when I'm not on Twitter, I'm not talking about libertarian stuff. Uh, so there's Certainly also a sense use in which Twitter for evangelism. I mean, that's just yeah. a, no, yeah. <laughs> but I, but like, there's also a sense in which I wear my labels a lot more, um, online than I do in my everyday life, you know, in my online, that's like, that's like, that's like going to a, if, if you went to a restaurant and someone came up to you and said, you know, Hey, Hey bro, there's more to life than just eating. Like, well, yeah, yeah, but right now I'm, I'm eating in a restaurant right now. I'm in a restaurant right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, but but you know, I'll I'll wear my labels a lot more online because that is what I'm doing when I'm like in you know to a large extent what I'm doing online is I'm networking. I'm getting to know other people like me. And uh uh yeah, sure sometimes I'm also reading what the other side believes about things, but that's what I'm doing online. When I'm in my real life, I I'm not wearing the label reformed, you know, I'm not wearing a cap that says I am reformed. Ask me what that means. You know, I'm I'm just like, so what are you? I'm a Christian. All right. Wait, wait, so, wait, wait, wait. You don't you don't just go around wearing shirts with John Calvin's face <laughs> on, uh, on it everywhere you go and <laughs> only on Fridays. Only on Fridays. <laughs> oh god. Fridays we wear Calvin. <laughs> it's based. Um <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, hey man, um we're uh we're coming up on an hour 15, so uh we're going to start wrapping right. it up, but uh but yeah, I think that was a great conversation. Um you know, I think there's a lot we can learn through going through these old, you know, Old Testament texts. And, and, and I mean, they're, yeah. they're so deep. I mean, I feel like 
if we had a second hour, we could we could we could go even further into judges or other books. And you know, this yeah. is the this is the kind of content that I think, um, you know, I think we need to put out there. It's like you know, the there's there's been centuries of of statists, uh, you know, putting their their spin on the scriptures, and and you know, I I like to to at mm. least go back and you know, if if even if all we can accomplish is just to show that anarchy is not in conflict with what what the bible teaches you know i i think that's you know yeah. that might be the first step you know we, we're not going to get people to probably go from you know embracing statism to embracing anarchy in one fell swoop but if we can yeah. at least at least just you know uh get, get our fellow brothers and sisters in christ to, to to not feel like they they need the state you know at the very least i think you know just mm-hmm. calling out there's a to me a soft idolatry sometimes that goes on there where people think you know have this mm-hmm. uh this, this this psychological need for for the state so if we can push back against that i think uh you yeah. know uh, i think we're we're moving the needle in the in the right direction so uh you know i appreciate you coming on we'll definitely do this again sometime uh uh before you head out if you could just uh you know uh let my people know where they can find you as far as your uh social media mm-hmm. and the uh, and the podcast yeah yeah twitter at iowa and cap or it's right yeah right here Twitter at Iowa and cap. Um, that's, that's where you can find me. Um, weekly. I, I put out a weekly two, well, three episodes. Now we're, we're up to uh, a week. Um, anarchist Bible study. Um, and next week. And if you really, if you want to dig more into judges, uh, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Patrick from cave to the cross apologetics, another great show to check out. He is going to be joining me. Um, not, not for this week's episodes, but next week's episodes, we're going to be digging into the story of, um, of, uh, uh, Oh my goodness. Uh, Gideon, Gideon. We're going to be digging into the story of Gideon and some, uh, some political implications of that. And so uh, if you're interested in that, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, um, check that out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, that, that sounds interesting. I'll definitely tune in for that. Um, all right. Well, thanks Josh for uh, stopping by again. Thank you everybody who tuned in and, and, and watched and uh, yeah, until next time, remember don't fear the fire.